and amen. We're really glad that you are here today. It's one of those times when already with the great worship songs, uh, the brother being baptized and Jamel's, you know, testimony, it's kind of like, okay, we can go home. And God's got more, but I'm just telling you, it's good to be in the house of the Lord um, today. We serve a good, good father. Well, listen, we're in week number two of this series uh, that's personal to me, and we're simply entitled it for um, this year. As I, I'm going to tell you every week so you'll know, and I'm so grateful to God, is that this is uh, 40 years, four decades that I've been allowed to be a pastor. I was ordained in April the 23rd. I'm sorry, I was licensed in April 23rd, uh, 1982. And um, then over the years, I've gotten some keystone scriptures that I've wanted to share with you over the next four weeks. And then we're going to pick up those keystone teachings and share each week. Now, last week, if you remember, it was Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And our keystone thought was mercy. And, and just so you won't forget, the big take home last week was not only that God gives us mercy every day, it's a custom-designed mercy for us for that day. That's just what makes it so, so incredibly special. So we talked a lot about mercy last week, and we also talked about dying to self, which we're going to talk about just briefly at the very beginning of this message. But this week, we're talking about free fall, and our scripture is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which came a part of my life probably when I was like 18 or 19 years old and has been part of me. I, was, I, I, uh, I get sentimental in my older age, and so I, in my home office, I have a shelf now that's got all these different mementos from the years gone by, and I was going through a cabinet, and I found a, remember Precious Moments figurines? Well, Judy gave me one, and it's when I graduated from, from college, and uh, on that Precious Moments is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it's just a very special verse, and I want to talk to you today about having trust having trust. Uh, you, know, you know, Paul said over in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, now listen, you need to know something. We don't live by sight. We live by faith. And I want to talk to you today about two different levels of trust. I've got my trusty friend here, uh, my blue chair. And if you've been around Dorisville for a while and, or any church probably in the world, you've heard pastors use this illustration. And it's a great illustration of trusting God. It's a great illustration of faith. You'll find out faith and trust are like first cousins. And so, you, you know, our brain, our brain says, oh, here is a chair. And we process that information, you know, and we come up with the idea that we know from past experience that chairs hold people up. And so I believe, I believe, and my brain tells me that this is a chair and it will hold me up. So I look at the chair, process the information, and then I walk over and I sit down. Okay. And guess what? It holds me up. Now, when I sat down, I exercised a certain level of trust. But here's the deal. It was a trust by sight. Trust by sight. I saw the chair. I knew what it was. I processed the information. And I had every reasonable expectation to believe that that chair would hold me up. And that's one level of trust with God. Sometimes trusting God is just obvious. It's the obvious things in life. And you just know. You just know. Okay? When we, when we put our faith and trust in God, we, we know. When, when you're born, born again, you just know. But then 
what about later on? But what about when life happens and you can't see? What about when, when it happens and you're called to trust and you can't see the chair? What do you do that? And that is a whole different level. And I believe what God intends for us. I've asked Brother Brent to help me illustrate this truth today. We've got the chair here. We understand that. Our brain sees the chair and we process the information and go, oh yeah, that chair will hold me up. But what happens when you can't see the chair? Brent, could you help me out, buddy? Not nothing. You're gonna stand him in the chair? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that part of the story. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is our insurance agent here anywhere? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, this is getting bigger by the moment. Devin, do you still trust me? you to take your hands, help them, hold them together, don't fling them out, okay, I want you to be like a board, okay, are you saying your prayers, I am, okay, <laughs> now, I am going to gently nudge you backwards, and I want you to fall stiff, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't want you to catch yourself, I want you to fall stiff, I just want you to fall back and you'll see when you get done. Okay? You ready? You don't catch me? Yeah, I'm in front of you. I can't catch you. But you're trusting me, right? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Stay still. Here we go. Stay still. Woo! Yeah! was bigger than I thought it was going to be, dude. I thought we were going to like stand on the stage, you know, and like, you know, just fall backwards. Oh, well, okay. We can go home now. Lesson taught. <laughs> Lesson taught. But you know, that is exactly, thank you so much, guys. Yeah, that is exactly what God wants us to do. He wants us to be willing to free fall right into his arms. 
And, and where does that start? Where's the beginning of that? Well, it happens, our te- first teaching point, you know, it talks about the irony of the Christian faith, okay? And the irony of the Christian faith um, is that the, the irony of the Christian faith is you really don't start living until you're willing to die. You really don't start living until you're willing to die. We talked about this last week. In fact, we said, remember, dying to live is the way to life. And if we really want to experience God to the depth and level that he wants us to, we've got to be willing to free fall. Just exactly what we demonstrate. We've got to be willing, no matter how crazy it seems, how obscure it seems, that we've just got to be willing to free fall into the arms of God. And that's exactly what he calls us to do. Now, Jesus put it this way. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 25, um, he said, you know, if you try to hang on to your life, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. If you, if you do what the world does and says, you know, I just can't trust God, so I'll do things. I'll trust the government. I'll trust the economy. I'll trust my company. I'll trust, you know, my, my, my parents. You know, whatever it might be. I, if I trust, okay, you're going to lose it. But then Jesus comes along and says, well, wait, but if you give up, up your life for my sake, not just giving your life up, but giving your life up for my sake, you will save it. And that is exactly what we want to talk about today. Again, Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6, a huge verse. Um, I found out this is probably the most popular scripture in the book of Proverbs. And the author starts out with four words and simply says this, you know, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Now, we have more than actually seen what it really means to trust Now we're going to look at what it means to trust in the Lord. What does the word trust mean to you? Well, one thing that means, it means to believe. It means to believe. And again, just like the bro believed that somehow Brent was going to pull this off. I was hoping Brent was going to pull this off. Um, but anyway, you know, that Brent pulled this off and that, that they would catch him. You know, he didn't know how. He didn't know we could see. We could see, but we couldn't see. You know, he couldn't see what was really going to happen. So he trusted. He believed. Um, the, the word also in, in, in the Hebrew uh, carries the idea of leaning on or leaning into. Now, let me show you how that's demonstrated. You know, this is my pulpit. And you, occasionally, I'm kind of casual in my teaching, you'll see me lean over and kind of cross my legs, you know. And I'll talk to you like this. Now, here's the deal. I am putting some of my weight on the pulpit. Okay? Some of my weight. I know, though, if somehow this thing were to tip over... I would not fall. There's enough of my... I'm. Ooh, this is good. I'm carrying enough of my weight that if what I'm leaning on falls, I'm okay. Now, that is how a lot of us live our Christian life with God. Okay? We put some weight on Him, but just in case today was the day He didn't quite pull it off, we won't be able to catch ourselves. So, so we trust God, but we trust God in a limited way. That's lean on. The term lean into means this, that I put every ounce of my weight on this and that if somehow the pulpit or the cross I'm leaning on or the chair even, you know, whatever it is, I put my weight on it. And if it falls, I fall. I fall. There's no way I could carry myself. And that is what God wants. That's what believing in God means. I'm willing to lean into God and totally trust Him with my life. With my life. The word also means depend. 
depend, to, to, to need someone, to trust someone to pull it off, to pull it off. It's interesting because in Psalm 22, 9, this word describes a mother as she nurses her child. And the child is safe and secure in the arms of the mother. And that's exactly the same word that the author used here. Now, let me tell you something. This is something worth writing down if you're taking notes. All right. Something that you need to know is, is that you can't lean on God and you can't lean on something else at the same time. Remember that time when, you know, when Jesus was doing one of the stories thing and he said, now listen, you need to know you can't serve two masters. Because what's going to happen is you're either going to love the one or hate the other or despise the one and, and love the other. You cannot serve God and the world, God and money, God or anything. Okay, this is the same way. Trusting God is an all-in deal. Trusting God is an all-in deal. And when you're leaning on anything else, you're not trusting God. When you choose to put your trust in something else, okay, then you're not trusting God. So when the author says, trust the Lord, he's saying be all-in with it. What does that look like? What does it not look like? Well, here's a great quote, and I couldn't even get credit for it because we don't know who said it, but so good. God isn't asking, God isn't asking you to figure it out. He's not. See, one thing great about believing and one thing great about, uh, about faith and trust is that it doesn't need all the answers. Uh, do you have that issue? Do you wrestle with that in your life? I do. I do. I want all the answers. I, I want to know what tomorrow looks like. I want to know how it's going to work out. It's just something I struggle with, and yet God says, Dwayne, it's not so with me. You often won't know all the answers. All you've got to do, listen, I'm not asking you to figure it out. I'm not asking you to know all the answers. Rather, he's asking, or I'm asking you, to trust that he already has. That simply God has figured it all out. That is trusting God. One of our favorite scriptures is Psalm 14.1. We, I use it virtually every funeral I do. I use John 14, uh, the first six verses. talks about, it was just incredible. It's incredible. But in that way, you know, Jesus says in John 14.1, he says, listen, don't let your heart be troubled. Now, I know, and you know, on Facebook, on the radio today, and in this room, there are people with troubled hearts. You, you got a bad report from the doctor. Your marriage is going south. Your career is going south. Things at school are difficult. Your parents are difficult. You're not understanding all this stuff going on. And we live in a world of troubled hearts. And what had happened here, the boys have heard at least twice. And Jesus said, you just need to know something. Okay? I, I know what you've got planned and what you've got planned and what God's got. Well, that's good. I know what you've got planned and what God's got planned. And they're not the same. I know you think that I'm going to overthrow the Roman government. I'm going to be the, the military leader of the world. And you guys get to be my first lieutenants. We're all going to be rock stars. That's your plan. But Jesus said, God's plan is this. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer. And I'm going to die. And about that time, they turned their hearing aids off. Because they never heard him say, but on the third day, I'm coming back to life. All they heard was their dreams and their plans were crashing around them. And all of a sudden it became extremely difficult to believe and trust. Ever been there? Cancer? 
job loss, infidelity in a marriage. You know what I'm talking about. At that point, what seems so easy becomes very difficult. Don't let your heart be troubled, Jesus said. And here's why. Flip back there, Nancy. I'm sorry, I've misled you there. You know, here's why. Trust in God and trust also in me. I'm not asking you to trust the Roman government. I'm not asking you to trust the, the temple police. I'm not asking you to trust the temple authorities. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm asking you to trust me. Listen, put your faith. You know, depend on me. Lean on me. Be like a child nursing at a mother's breast. Be that way. You know, trust in God and trust in me. And what God is saying to us today is the same thing. No matter what your circumstances are, the great keystone is trust me. Trust me. Trust me. It's what he calls us to do. You know, every day I write that blog Monday through Friday, and I close the last three words are a sore, a form of this. He's got this. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know he's got this. No matter what your this is, whether it's, whether it's Biden or Trump or whether it's the state house or the White House, whether it's Ukraine or the price of gas or you lost your job, you're afraid you're going to lose your job, whatever it is, trust me, he's got this. He's a God that is bigger than any circumstance you and I are going to face. Amen. He's got this. Amen. Believe in God. Believe in me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Our teaching point says this. Trust is believing. Now, this is really good. Trust is believing that when everything seems to be falling apart. Been there? Have you in your life? Jamal did. Jamal played the game and lost. It cost him his marriage. It cost him his family. It cost him his freedom for seven years. Everything was falling apart. But look what it says. Trust is believing that when everything seems to be falling apart, it is actually God arranging things just the way he wants them. See, something he didn't say clearly that he told me was, guess where he met God? In a place where there were bars everywhere. He was set free in his faith when he was in prison. And God was, Jamal, God was, a, or I could call you Jamal. <laughs> Jamal, it's a private joke. You know, J- Jamal, God was arranging the circumstances. Chances are, no prison. You know what would happen? You said, well, I beat the system again. Let's try it again. But because, because of that, he met God. And because of that, here he is today. Amen. God was arranging the circumstances. He was arranging um, the things. I'm going to tell a short version of my story because something happened to me yesterday that, that's, that's okay, but it just wasn't what I planned. I had a great day, worked in the yard, went to the barbecue barn, had, had pork chops. It was awesome. It was incredible. And, and I came home. It was about 6 o'clock at night, 5.30, and um, Judy had asked me to carry a tool thing out to the, my garage. I'd done some work. I was done. She goes, are you done with the tools? I said, yeah, I'll carry them out. Well, you know how it is. The husband said, yeah, I'll carry it out. Just never did it. But anyway, so I walked in the house, and there was the tool thing. It was just a plastic container full of tools. So I walk out to the garage and clear off a spot on my workbench and set the tools down. There you go. Done. As I'm walking around, I had earlier worked on our little goldfish pond, and I knew it was like, have you ever seen the Okie Finoki Swamp? 
the green slime thing. Yeah, that's what our goldfish pond looked like. And so I said, well, let me get some chemicals that I had, and let me go put that in the pond, okay? So step number two, I, I went out there, and I dumped this stuff in, and there you go, that's fine. Walked back in the garage, was turning to go back in the house, and I said, no, wait, you know what? There's some scum floating on top of the pond. Even though it's late in the day, I said, tell you what, I'll get my net, and I'll go back out, and I'll scoop the stuff off the pond. Okay, so we went from the little container to the chemicals to the nets. Well, this time, so I, I go up there, and, and again, I, I'm fixing to be 70 in about a year and a half. I don't feel 70, hope I don't look 70, but I was just bounding. I mean, I was just full of energy, and so I go out the door, and we have a one step up that goes onto our patio and then leads to the pond, and I took that one step, and I totally blew it. I caught my right foot, last time I fell was on my right foot, Caught my right foot on that concrete, on the edge of the concrete, and I fell. And listen to me. I fell hard. I fell hard to where the little watch says, did you fall? Are you okay? Should we call 911? And I was about to agree with them. I, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm laying there hoping someone, Judy maybe saw me fell, uh, fall, but it didn't happen. But I'm laying there, and, and I watched as I fell in slow motion, and I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I watched this hand was out, and I watched these fingers hit the concrete and bend backwards. Yeah, it wasn't nice. And so I rolled over, and I'm laying there with my hand in the air like this. Cannot move it. Cannot move it. I'm going, I, I guess I'll eat there three or four minutes. And I was finally able to get up and went inside and said, Judy, I've fallen. I've fallen hard. And so the bottom line of all that is, last night, I spent last night with a splint on my hand, ice pack, and it's still a little bit. I can move it that much now, Okay. But my point is this. It was Saturday night. It was my study night. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to study or not. Now, God has already showed me that he is in control and he's God of love. You want to know why? Ask me if I'm left-handed or right-handed. I'm left-handed. What hand did I hurt? My right hand. God's grace never fails. I don't know if I'm on the x-ray. I don't know if something's broken. None of that matters. What matters is that God was arranging circumstances, not the way I wanted them, but just the way he wants them. And if we will learn to do life that way, it's a game changer. We will, we'll, Brent, we will truly understand and trust the sovereignty of God. He's got this. He can be trusted Amen. if we'll but trust him. It's a game changer for our lives. Maybe you've heard of Corey Tim Boom. And it's an amazing story. You know, they, her and her sister were locked up in a Nazi concentration camp. And, and like the story says here, you know, she, was, she survived it, but she saw her sister die about four days, four days before they were released. And in spite of that, she went on to live her life and lived to be quite old, telling of the grace and goodness of God. And she said this, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Amen. God Amen. can be trusted. I know that sounds simplistic. I know you're saying, Dwayne, I came to something a little bit deeper. You don't need anything deeper. You need to believe that God can be trusted. Well, how much should he be trusted? How much should he be trusted? Well, he should be trusted with all your heart. 
He should be trusted with all your heart. The term there, all your heart, it, it, it means a total surrender. It means that every part of who you are is surrendered. Uh, it might be some, some character flaws that you have. It, it might be your porn habit. It might be your drug addiction. But it could be something as simple as you're wrestling with forgiveness. Someone's wounded you and hurt you. And it's wrestling with that. It might be the future. You know, I know in my case, some of you have annuities. We don't have annuities. We have the stock market. And I keep going, God, am I going to be able to eat? And you know, by the way, you know what the standard answer is now? Yeah. Dwayne, I took care of it for 40 years. I think I can handle the next 20. I think I can. I think I can. So we are called to totally surrender with all of our hearts. So what's our teaching point say? You know, trusting God with all your heart is an act of surrender. You need to see it that way. When, when you trust God all the way, you're trusting God, God in a state of total surrender. It means, if, I know you've heard this before, that your life, that your life is like a house. Okay, so, so it means that every room, the living room, the bathroom, the dining room, the bedrooms, all of those things, the basement, all the rooms of your life, every closet... Every closet, your, your, your clothes closet, your, your cleaning closet, whatever it might be, your closet, every cabinet in the kitchen. I mean, the ones where you got all the stuff stored that you hope nobody ever answers it. Every cabinet is his. There can be no locked doors. There can be no locked doors. If you're really going to trust God, you've got to open it up all to him. Several years ago, about six Judy got the idea of taking an apartment above our garage and making it an Airbnb, and it's been hugely successful for us. And what we do is it's a nightly rental, and so people, just like a hotel, um, we, we go through Airbnb and through VRBO, and they'll make a reservation. And for a certain amount of money, then I give them, she gives them, we give them all access to our apartment. So they show up, and they park in their little parking place there. They go up, and there, there it is. You know, the Korig is there with all the coffee. It's there. Oh, here's a kitchen with all the pots and pans and all that. It's all cutely decorated. Then we go into the living room, and there's a small library over here, and there's a bistro table where you can sit in front of the window and eat, as well as a bar stool set uh, where you can eat at the bar. Um, there's a nice couch. There's a big old television Bigger TV, I think, in the apartment than is my house. You go down the hallway. Oops, here's the bathroom. It's all nice, all of that. Two bedrooms, a queen-size bed and two twins. And it's all theirs. It's all theirs. If they rent for two nights, it's all theirs. If they rent for a night, it's all theirs. Except for one thing. You know what it is? It's called the owner's closet. If you've ever done VBRO, VBRBO, VRBO or, or Airbnb, you know what I'm talking about. There's a closet, and, and you, you, know, you always check the place out, and you pull on this one door, and it's locked. It's the owner's closet. And there are things that they may use when they're on vacation there. It might be cleaning supplies. It might be extra linens. It might be extra coffee, whatever it is. But that door is locked. And what it is, what it's saying is, this door is off limits. This closet is off limits to you. You're a guest here and you can't go in this closet. Can I ask you a question? What's your owner's closet in your life? I mean, you've given God the living room, the kitchen, the bathroom, and the bedrooms. You even gave, you know, you can go in our garage and use our washer and dryer. You can use our bicycles. You can use our pickleball. You can use our badminton. You can use our, our, our croquet set. But what is the 
owner's closet in your life? What is it that you have blocked off from God? And you say, God, you can have everything else. But you can't have this. That's what you need to surrender. Is it fear? Anger? Bitterness? Is it your job? Is it your money? Is it your marriage? Your kids? Your parents? What is it that you need to surrender to God? Because we're going to trust the Lord with all of our hearts. All of our hearts. There's a great scripture in, in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. It says this, Listen, O Israel. You know, isn't it funny? This is the Old Testament version of the New Testament. Okay? Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. You got to be all in, he says. Jesus used this scripture. Paul used this scripture. It means giving God all your emotions and all your being and all your abilities. But can I make it personal for you? Because I know you drag something out of the Old Testament if you go, really? How about this? Listen, Dorisville. The Lord is our God. The Lord alone. And, and we must love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. If we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, if we're going to trust God like God wants us to trust us, we've got to be all in. But can I make it more personal? Put your name there. Donna. Listen, Donna. The Lord is your God. The Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Make it personal. Hi, Tiffany. Put your name there. Tiffany, the Lord is your God. The Lord alone. And you can go on and on and put your name there. And that's the mandate. God wants you to trust Him completely. Completely. With everything. In Matthew 16, 24, and this is the verse before what we read at the very beginning. And you know this one. Then Jesus says to his disciples, if any of you want to be my followers, you've got to give up your own way. You've got to surrender. You've got to die. You've got to give it all up. You must give, your, give up your own way. You must take up your cross and you must follow me. He continues. Trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean into your own understanding. This is the hard part because our bent is, I know it's with me, I know my bent is to follow the path that I think is best. It's not that I don't think God gets it right all the time. It's just that my path is probably better than the one he chooses and perhaps even easier. I don't know, but it could be. But God comes along and his word says, don't lean into your own understanding. Don't, don't do what you think is right. Look at this teaching point. I'm sorry, Proverbs 14. I'm sorry, Nancy. Proverbs 14, listen. listen. There's a path. Everybody's got a path, right? Everybody's got a path. There is a path before each person that seems right. I, I, you know, people don't wake up, Jamal, and go, oh, I think I'll be a drug addict for, for seven or eight, ten years of my life. It happens. You know, it happens. We, we stumble away from God. We stumble away from church. It doesn't just happen. It just happens as we slowly move away. There's a way that seems right. 
And culture will tell you, it's okay, it's good, it's the right thing. Sometimes, sometimes your friends will tell you, it's okay, it's the right thing. Logic will tell you, this is the logical thing to do. Hmm. There's a way that seems right, but it ends in death. We've got to be careful of this. Because whenever we choose not to trust God totally, we're on a path where something's going to die. It may be a marriage. It may be integrity. It may be character. Relationships. Something's going to die. Well, he goes on and says, our teaching point, you know, trust your heart. I don't think so. Here's what God says about your heart. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Jeremiah 17, 9. You know, culture today says, follow your heart. Your heart won't lead you astray. That is a lie. Your heart will lead you astray. What is the one thing you can trust? It's God. Yeah, it's God. You can't trust religion. You trust God. You can believe that God says. So we're going to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. We're not going to lean into our own understanding, but rather in all our ways, we're going to acknowledge Him. In all our ways, we're going to submit to Him. Now, don't miss this short teaching point, okay? When we acknowledge Him, we are saying He is worthy. Now, this is so cool. David, I'm sure, didn't mean this, but it sure worked out really nice, okay? Remember he mentioned the three ways of salvation, the three paths of salvation or stages, you know, saving grace, we are saved, we're being saved, and ultimately we'll be saved from the power of sin. That was so perfect for this. You see, when you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, you are saying He is worthy. He is worthy. You submit to the Lordship of Christ. Without Lordship, there's no salvation. When you trust Jesus, you're totally surrendering to Him. You're saying you're all in. I'm turning from my sin, and I'm choosing to follow Him. But remember what David said? David said that there is that, that salvation moment. We are saved. Then we spend the next days of our lives being saved. Sanctification. Being more like Christ. Look what the second sentence says. When we acknowledge Him in everything... We are saying he is trustworthy. When we're saved, we trust Jesus. And then we spend the rest of our days showing and loving him and saying, Jesus, you are trustworthy. I will surrender to you. I will yield to you. I will trust you for the rest of my days. Old St. Augustine got this one right. I heard it in one of the songs we sang today. Trust the past to the mercy of God, the present to the love of God, and the future to his providence. Or pro-video. Or, or pro-video means, providence means to see before. Pro-video, to see before. Trust the Lord. The past. Jamal, that's what you had to do. You know, you realize how much courage it stood to stand up here and say, hey, I was a drug addict and I spent seven years in prison. That's courage. And you know why he can do that? Because he trusted his past to the mercy of God. That's why. And now, just like all of us, he's trusting uh, the present to the love of God. And then the future, well, it's in his control. And it's in his hand. All right, let's close this thing up. And he 
will direct your paths. Amen. He will direct your paths. You know, I don't know if it's really registered with you or not. Some of y'all say, yeah, I taught school for 25 or 30 years. I worked in the coal mines for, you know, 40 years God's given me to walk with him and, and have the privilege of serving churches. It's been a real thrill. It's been a, it's been a real thrill. And here's what I know. He shall direct your paths because I've experienced it. I have experienced his faithfulness. We chose that song. I chose it and then said, you know what do you think about this for our story? And you've been so, so good to me. You've been so, so good to me. Amen. And we have seen his hand. And you, you know this. I'm preaching to the choir. How you've seen God's hand work in your life. And you're just simply, simply amazed. Now, trans, some translations use the word smooth. He'll make your path smooth. And sometimes they are smooth. Um, another translation uses the word straight. He'll make your path straight. I kind of like this one. He's going to direct your path. And, and I get the privilege of saying, God, however that, whatever that means, I'm willing to trust you. If it's easy, yeah, okay. And if it's not, God, give me the grace to trust and to believe you. Help me to believe what you say. You know, our final teaching point is this. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. We all know that. If you're wanting, the straightest way to Marion is if you were to fly and go from Harrisburg to Marion. If you flew in a plane, that would be the shortest path possible. I, I didn't like these words after I wrote them, so I'm going I'm to substitute. The best path, the best path between any two life points is held in the hand of God. Amen. Trust Him. Trust him. We're gonna we're gonna probably we're gonna probably get to the end of this thing and we're gonna get to heaven and we're gonna see all that God had planned and how he had planned it, and we're all gonna go, Oh. Amen. Amen. We're gonna oh and we're gonna be amazed at how faithful he was in planning our lives. There's a guy named Oswald Chambers. Um, he lived in the latter part of the twentieth century or twenty yeah. 19th century and the 21st century. And you may have heard um, his book, um, My Utmost for His Highest. Uh, it's quite interesting. He was saved at 16 and was a pastor and was a missions director kind of guy. Anyway, at age 43, Oswald Chambers had appendicitis. Different time, but the bottom line is surgery couldn't save him and he died. Age 43. And you say, wait, you understand, this is a Jim Elliott thing, you know. Jim Elliott went to be a missionary and died on the shores of an Ecuadorian river, you know. No, wait, God, he's giving his life, you got it wrong. And maybe people say that about Oswald Chambers. He was doing it all right, God. And yet God allowed him to die. Here's why. He was 43 years old, by the way. Faith never knows where it's being led. Isn't that true? We don't know. We don't know. But it loves and knows the one who is leading. The first is an unknown. We don't know where faith is going to take us. We don't know where trusting God is going to take us. But trust and faith loves and knows the one who is leading. God can be trusted. God can be trusted. Some of you was stretched in 2021. Anybody else stretched in 2021? I got news for you. You're probably going to be stretched in 2022 also. You're probably going to be stretched. We don't know 
where faith is going to take us. But we've got to believe that God is already there. Trust Him. Trust Him. Would you bow your heads, please? Thanks so much for listening so good today. I appreciate it. It's been a good day. It really has. If you're here today and you've never done the, the God thing, you're here, maybe mom invites you, promised to buy you lunch, and that's why you're here. Maybe you're flipping through Facebook and you stumbled on this. Maybe you're driving down one of our county roads and you've got 12 or 102.3 on the radio and some guy was talking. But I want you to know something, that God loves you so much. And God can be trusted. And I, I, won't, I, I can't recommend a dose of religion to you. I can recommend God to you. And today, at the end of the service, we have this decision time, and my friend Brent's going to be standing down front. And boy, we would just love you to come and say, okay, Dwayne said that God can be trusted, and I need to trust in something. I'm willing to try him today. And we'll tell you how that can happen in your life. That's our first part of the decision. If you need a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, we're going to tell you how that can happen today. Then the altar is open today. Perhaps there's something going on in your life that's pretty difficult right now. And the world is falling apart. Maybe you stubbed your toe on a piece of concrete. Maybe you spent some time in prison. You just need to know that the altar's open and you'll find a Father who loves you very, very much today. If there's any other decisions that you need to make, might be being baptized, uh, joining the church, whatever it might be, We're here for you today. So God, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your goodness. We love you today. And Jesus, we pray in your precious name. Amen.